There's a place of quiet stillness between the light and shadows reach where the hurting and the hopeless seek everlasting peace. Words of men and songs of angels whisper comfort bittersweet. Mending grief and life eternal where joy and sorrow meet. There is a place where hope remains in crowns of thorns and crimson stains in tears that
That was a beautiful song, a touching song. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can provide joy in the midst of our sorrow. This week, nine firefighters died going in to save people. They went in and they saved them, and the roof caved in, and they died, and they had the funeral, this huge funeral. When she sang that song, I was thinking, all those families that lost their loved ones. A pregnant lady with her child was murdered this week. Our dear friend, Kin Hell, went into eternity. It just shows you, folks, we're in the last times here. And we have to take life seriously because death is around us. These, all these things happening are around us. We can thank God when we're saved because we know that no matter what happens, we're going to be with him. And we're going to experience incredible joy with him forever and ever. It can't get any better than that. And that's what we thank God for. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we just thank you for this beautiful song that you have given Taylor. We thank you that she's a bright Christian, Lord, and loves you so much and gives her all to you. And we thank you that this church has stood the test of time over the years and we have remained faithful, Lord. And we pray that we will continue until you come. We thank you that you mix joy and sorrow in our lives and you're there to be with us through all the trials and tribulations of life. Until one day we come before you, Lord, and we stand in your presence, and we're there forever and ever. We can't wait. But until then, help us to be faithful. And we ask this now and pray that you will speak to our hearts through your word. Touch our lives today, Lord. Help us to be different when we left than when we came in. Help us to be filled to all the fullness of God and help us to be a blessing, Lord. Please hide me behind the cross, and may these words that are spoken today not be my words, but your words. And may they affect others, we pray in your precious name. Amen. You know, we are living in the last days, as I said, and the time is getting shorter and shorter. The Lord Jesus Christ said these words, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Our lives are like a day. It could be in the morning. You might be a young person here. Your life is like it's in the morning. You could be older. It could be at noon. could be in the evening time. could be in the late evening. But no matter what, our lives are short. Even if a person lives to be 100 years old or 120 years old, it's still so short compared to eternity. It really is. And our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to this world, he was only here for 33 years. And of those 33 years, he only served three years with his disciples. Isn't it amazing? But what he did in those three years impacted all of us and everyone in the whole world. It's amazing what he did, what he said, and what he accomplished. When the Lord Jesus Christ came, he knew that he had a mission from the Father. And he wasn't going to let anyone or anything stop him from accomplishing his mission. Do we have this kind of commitment that we won't let anything get in the way, won't let it divert us or detour us or stop us from serving our Lord? May the Lord help us to do his will. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to a familiar portion in the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to John. John chapter 21. We'll begin reading at the first verse. We know by this time in the, in the account that the Lord Jesus Christ has died on the cross. 
He was laid in the tomb. He rose again. He appeared to Mary. He appeared to the other women. He appeared to his disciples on at least two occasions prior to this. He appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus. And every person that he appeared to, he brought incredible joy because he was alive. Our Savior died, and he rose again. And he's a living Savior. And we're going to read about this living Savior this morning. John chapter 21 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him back, we will go with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, for about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, please bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dra dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153, and the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Then Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. They went fishing. The title of my message today is No Time for Fishing. It's no time for fishing. It was no time for them to go fishing, and it's no time for us in these days to go fishing. And I'm not talking just about literal fishing. I'm talking about anything that will take us away from serving the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. There's three F's we're going to see today in this passage. Three F's. Fishing, failure, and food. Fishing, failure, and food. You know, only God can accomplish miracles in our lives. You know, I've been doing this job at work now for quite a few years. I think it's been about four years, and it's gotten real heavy. And I told you folks about it, how heavy it was, and I always ask for prayer about it. And a new job opened up at work that I wanted to, to look into with my former supervisor who has this position open. The other man was transferred to Oregon. That didn't happen by chance either, by the way. And so I didn't know how am I going to tell my boss about this because it's going to be very difficult. My job is so busy as it is. How are they going to fill that job and do it? And they're going to say, no, you can't go to this new job. So I was praying about it. And that morning, Friday morning, I felt such peace that I should pursue this job. But I said, how am I going to tell my boss? You know, What is she going to say? 
So about 4.06 in the afternoon, and I have it on the email, 4.06 in the afternoon, my boss said, Dean, could you stop by my office before you leave? And she never says that, right? So I went in, closed the door. You're not in trouble. She said, I just got a call from the other department, and Frank, who is my former supervisor, wants you to come and work for me. And I said, Lord, I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to initiate it. They want me for the job. And I'm, I said, yes, I am interested. And they said, Dean, she said, don't worry about your job. We'll find a way to manage somehow. So you don't have to worry about that either. And you'll probably have to start pretty soon because Frank is going on vacation and they need you over there. And I'm just saying, Lord, that's how you work. That's how the Lord works. And the Lord loves us. And he does these miracles in our lives. And we can thank him every day that he cares about us. He cares about your job. He cares about your family. He cares about your health. He cares about your car. He cares about your home. He cares about everything in our life. And he wants the best for us. And when we put him first, he'll take care of all the rest. And I thank God for that. Well, let's look at our first point this morning, fishing. Now, remember, at this point, there were 11 disciples because Judas was a betrayer. He went out and hanged himself after that. So there's 11 disciples left. And Jesus had appeared to them. Once with Thomas there and once without. And now the disciples are together. And it seems that there are seven of the 11 that were together. And there they were meeting together. And all of a sudden, Peter says these words, I'm going fishing. Out of the blue, I'm going fishing. He hasn't been fishing for three years because he's been with the Lord and the other disciples. Fishing was past. That was this old way of life. But all of a sudden, he says, I'm going fishing. Maybe Peter was discouraged because, remember, he had denied the Lord three times. And so maybe he was thinking, it's over for me. I failed the Lord. He's not going to be able to use me. I might as well go back to my old job, my old business of fishing. What else do I have to live for? And Peter was an ex example to the other disciples all through the time they were together. He was a leader. He was an example. He was always the one speaking up. And so when he said, let's go fishing, the other said, let's go fishing with you. He was a leader. And so that's why being a leader is not an easy thing. It's very difficult because when you're a leader, everybody is going to look at you, your life. They're going to follow your example. And if you're a good leader and you set a good example, they're going to follow in the right way. But Peter's example at this point was not a good example. But Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so Paul was a leader. He was a godly leader. And Peter, after this, went on to be a tremendous leader also. God doesn't give up on us. Even when we fail, even when we have our problems, he doesn't give up on us like he didn't give up with Peter. But you can say to yourself, why was this so bad? Peter, wasn't he a fisherman? Yes, he was. Weren't these other disciples that were with him, weren't they fishermen too? Yes, they were. Is there anything wrong or sinful about fishing? No. We love fishing, right, Ron? Turhan, Jeff, all the brothers that love fishing, and there's nothing wrong with fishing. Understand me, I'm not talking about fishing. I'm talking about those things that would take us away from what God wants us to do, how he'd want us to live. That is, represents the fishing. And so that's why it was a, a, a big deal, because remember when the Lord called Peter and the others who were fishermen, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Not fishers of fish anymore. They're old business. That's old. That's old news. Now they're fishing for men. 
And so fishing represented their old life. Sad when you hear of a Christian who has professed faith in Christ going back to their old lifestyle, going back to the old ways, the old habits, the old friends, the old ways of doing things. It's sad. It's so sad. Sometimes Bill quotes that verse from Proverbs, and it's so true. It's like a dog that returns to its vomit. It's repulsive to see somebody who says they know Christ to go back to that old life again. He says, no, you have a new life now, a forward life, not a backward life, an abundant eternal life, not an old life in this world. Remember how we sing that song so many times, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Can we make that declaration today, an exclamation? I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I'm not going to go back to the world because what did the world offer us? Nothing but pain and sorrow and agony. No, we don't want that. We want the new life that the Lord has given us. And the disciples at this point, what should they have been doing? They should have been in prayer. They should have been meditating on the Lord. And they should have been preparing for their future ministry of evangelizing the whole world. But instead, what did Peter say? I'm going fishing. And the others said, we'll go fishing with you. No one spoke up and said, even John, I mean, they were great disciples, but none of them said, well, maybe it's not a good time, Peter, to go fishing. You know, our Lord is alive from the dead, and he's called us to a great life and ministry. Maybe it's not the best time. To, not one said a thing. We'll go fishing with you. Unbelievable. But before we're too hard on those disciples, aren't we a little bit like them too? Sometimes God can do great miracles right in front of our eyes. The next moment, we're worried about the next trial, the next trouble that comes up. We start to complain. We start to get upset. Instead of remembering what God has done for us and that he has a plan for our lives and he's going to use us, we're just like the disciples in many ways in our lives. But may the Lord help us to say, Lord, I'm not going to turn back to that old life anymore. It has nothing, no attraction for me. I want your life, Lord. I want the life of Christ in me. And not only did fishing represent their old life, but it also represented doing things in their own strength. Let's go fishing. And so they went out and went to go fishing in their own abilities and their own strength. And these were talented, experienced, knowledgeable fishermen here. But as we're going to see about, about their situation, they caught nothing. And we're going to emphasize that today. But there was a man named Waitley, and he said this, Men first make up their minds, and the smaller the mind, the sooner made up. <laughs> then they seek for the reasons. And if perchance they stumble upon a good reason, of course they do not reject it. But though they are right, they are only right by chance. And you know, every person in the world that doesn't have the Lord in their life, they're shooting at at the, at the stars, they're, they're, their eyes are closed and they're trying to throw darts at a target that they don't even know where the target is. But thank God when we know the Lord, he directs our lives into the right way. He shows us the way to go. He helps us to get there. And so that's why we have direction from the Lord in our lives. Dr. H.A. Ironside, and I love his uh, books and commentaries. He was a great man of God who lived in this area over in Oakland for many years before he went to the Moody Bible Church. He said, but it is very evident they were restless. They were still not quite clear as to the meaning of the events of the past days 
such as those appearances of the Lord down there in the upper room in Jerusalem, and to the women, and so on. And they haven't sensed the place that is theirs in the evangelization, evangelization, excuse me, the evangelization of the world and the carrying to all men the story of the risen Christ. He said this, Peter, in his restlessness, thinks of his old occupation. There's nothing sinful or wrong about fishing, but it does seem as though going fishing at this time when they should have been waiting for the manifestation of the Lord implies the activity of the flesh. You know, Ron was talking about that in the scripture memory class. As long as we live in this world, we have the old sinful nature. We really do. The, the, the Spirit of God wants us to do God's will, to rejoice in Him, to be in His Word and in prayer, have fellowship with Christians, but that old nature in us wants to do the opposite. Old nature doesn't want to pray. The old nature doesn't want to read the Word. The old nature doesn't want to come to church. The old nature doesn't want to do anything godly. So what's the answer? We have to feed the new nature because that is where our power comes from as we allow the Lord to, to deal with us. And that's what happened with these disciples. I don't want to live one second outside God's will. Because do you know that if you live one second out God's will, you could make a decision that will affect your entire life just with one second or one minute outside of God's will. And who wants that? We don't want that. So that's why we have to be so careful that the Lord direct us, that we do his will, that we seek counsel and obey it, and then God will bless us. There was a man named Henry Martin who wrote many years ago. He said, I see no business in life but the work of Christ. Think of that. I see no business in life but the work of Christ. Well, you say, Dean, I have to go to work during the day, or I'm a homemaker, or I'm a student. I have other work to do, but no. In that work you do, in that schoolwork you do, in that homemaking duty that you do, that's the work of Christ. And if you see it that way, and you see it as that is your priority, you will be doing the work of Christ. You will be doing his will. And that's what we want to do. And that's why we don't want to allow fishing, that is, anything to get in the way of that. There's so many things we can do in life, but it all comes down to, to three things. You can do the good, you can do the better, or you can do the best. Now, the good is good. It's acceptable, but it's not the better. The better is even better than the good, but it's still not the best. So what is the best for your life? What is the best for my life? It's doing the Lord's will. It's serving him, because anything else is not going to be valuable. How many times have you heard about that game? It's probably still played by a lot of people, called Trivial Pursuit. And some people really get into that game. I never really got into it too much, but trivial pursuit. And they study it, and they learn things and different facts, and they're ready to go so they can answer trivial questions. I mean, to me, trivial is not something good because it's trivial. It's not important. It's not valuable. It's not something we should give ourselves to. So if you know all the facts about baseball, and I know a lot of people that have all the stats down, they can tell you what Ty Cobb's batting average was. How many stolen bases Ricky Henderson had? How many home runs Hank Aaron had? How many consecutive games Cal Ripken played? All these facts, they're all trivia. Trivia, and maybe you're not into baseball, but you're into movie stars, acting and so forth, and you know all the ones that won the Academy Awards, or, or maybe you're into music and you know all the ones who won the Grammys and you know all the tunes and all the words. Trivia. Compared to the things of God, it's trivia. 
And when I think about sometimes in my life, some of the things I, I think about and do, it's trivia. It has no real value or purpose. And so the Lord challenged me, be serious and sober because we're in the last days here and all these things that you think about are so important now in God's sight, trivia. Unneeded, unimportant things. We can have hobbies. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with a hobby. It's a good thing. But if it takes us away from the Lord, and it takes us away from church, and it takes us away from God's word and the fellowship of the saints, get rid of it. Even though in itself it's not a bad thing. I mean, we know in life when certain things are really bad, and we should get rid of those things, and we know that. But some things are not so bad, and we're so unclear about that. But if it's questionable, don't do it. And then even if something is good, if it's not the best, if it's not God's will, we have to eliminate that too. And it is a challenge. But the priority should be on serving the Lord. So as we said, fishing. No time for fishing. No time to go back and fish, to go back to the old life, the old habits, the old ways of doing things. No time for that. The Lord's coming is too near. We have to put all that behind us and go forward for him. And may the Lord encourage us to do that. Fishing. Secondly, failure. Failure. Failure is one of the words that I do not like. I do not like the word failure, and I'm sure you're like me, you don't like the word failure. We don't like to fail, we don't want to fail, but sometimes we do experience failure. And the Lord allowed these disciples, these seven men, these seven disciples, to fail. You say, well, Lord, couldn't they have caught maybe a couple of fish? Couldn't you give them like a little minnow or, or a little guppy or, or something, you know? Zero. They couldn't catch anything. And like I said, they were experienced fishermen, but they fished all night and caught nothing. Nothing. And that is a symbol. That is a type of when we go outside God's will, trying for things in our own strength. Maybe we take a job. Maybe we get married. Maybe we do something. But it's not God's will. There, it's going to end in failure. It's going to end in failure. And it's sad. And God sometimes allows that because he wants us to realize his will is the only way to go. Because if we do it our way, it's not going to work. It's not going to get off the ground. It's not going to do it at all. And you know what I thought was really interesting about this passage? The Lord allowed them to fail in something they were good at. Have you ever thought about that? He allowed them to fail at what they're good at. Now, if, if I was to try to be an electrician like Ed, Ed was a former electrician, I would really fail at that because I'm bad at that. Or if I tried to do art and tried to draw things, you'd say, what is it, Dean, that you were trying to draw? <laughs> now, it'd be easy to, for me to justify failure because I'm bad at that. But if I failed in something that I'm good at, then it bothers me more because I said, I'm good at this and I failed. God allowed them to fail so that they would realize they had to trust in his power, in his strength. They couldn't go out and just say, well, we're fishermen. We can do this. We're good workers at work. We can handle this. We're good parents. We're good husbands and wives or whatever it is in our successes. He wants us to depend upon him in our strong points as well as in our weak ones so that we don't have to fail. We can cast ourselves upon the Lord and ask for his help. And he is always there to help us. Now, some people may be good at golf, like we had some good golfers yesterday. They're very good at golf. Some people are good at tennis or fishing or any number of things in your job or whatever. And sometimes the Lord wants to get us to the place that he just brings us and says, Dean, I'm going to allow you to fail in this 
because I want you to trust me. I don't want you to think it's in your hands to do this project or this mission or this task. You need me, Dean. You need me for everything. And when we get to that place where we trust him for the littlest, tiniest details of our life, that's where he wants us to be. That's where he wants us to be. With the little details of our life. Oh, I don't want to bother anybody with that. I don't want to bother the Lord with that. It's too tiny. It's, it's a, he says, don't, don't think that way. It's not bothering you. Same thing when Adel and Silva, you go to counsel and you say, I hate to bother you with this. It's such a minor thing. They don't ever think that way. Their house is open 24 hours a day, 365 days, and phone lines are open for you right now. Well, not really, because they're here. But <laughs> I've been there literally when five calls have been coming in like back to back to back. But you know what? I never hear them complain because they love the Lord. They love the Lord's people, and they, and they are always there for his people. But notice what happened to these fishermen. They caught nothing. Nada. Zip. Zilch. Zero. Not one fish. And think how discouraging that must have been for them because they went out fishing to catch fish. You don't go to fishing to catch anything out. You go to catch fish. And it was a great lesson for them to learn. And it's a lesson for us to learn and relearn how much we need the Lord. So when you go to work tomorrow or you go to your school or you go to your home situation or whatever it is, pray and say, Lord, I need you today. I need you in everything that I do. I don't know what's going to happen, Lord, but I commit it into your hands. Help me today, Lord. Help me in the little things. Help me in the things I'm good at. Help me in the things I'm not good at. And help me not to fail you, Lord. And he will do that because when our priority is to do God's will, we will be the happiest people on the face of the earth. But think of that. Their labor was fruitless and their toil in the flesh was in vain. It was a wasted evening. They wasted the evening. Have you ever said it was a wasted evening? Well, we went out to the movie, and we watched this movie, and you know it was a terrible movie. It was a wasted evening. Or we did this, or we did that. It was a wasted evening. Or I spent my money on this, and it was like a waste because it didn't profit me anything. They wasted an evening. May the Lord help us not to waste an evening. May he help us not to waste our lives on trivial Things that don't count because when we get to the throne of grace, it's not going to matter any of these earthly things. He's not going to count those things. He's going to say, what did you do for me? Are we going to hear like we heard last week, good, well done, good and faithful servant? That's the only thing that really counts in life. That is what really matters in life. But guess what? The story didn't end there. Wouldn't it have been sad if the story ended there and they walked home and they were sad and we fished all night, we caught nothing? Why? We've always caught fish before. We've never been shut out. We've never been like this before. What is wrong? But guess what? Their eyes were turned to the shore. And on the shore, there was a, a lone, solitary figure. Jesus was on the shore. Jesus was on the shore. And when we fail and we have our problems and things go wrong, Jesus is right there in front of us. He's on the shore. And he wants to bring us back and restore us back to where we should be. And in just a little bit in this passage, he's going to restore Peter. Because Peter denied him publicly, he's going to restore him publicly. And because he denied him three times, he's going to restore him three times. And he's going to say, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. And he's going to give him a mission to do for him. God doesn't give up on us, and we shouldn't either. But praise God that Jesus was on the shore. And there he was waiting for them to see him. 
Peter Marshall said, it is better to fail in a cause that will ultimately succeed than to succeed in a cause that will ultimately fail. Isn't that beautiful? Peter Marshall, we know him, he was a, in the uh, Senate, and he was, a, he was a great chaplain, and he said this, it is better to fail in a cause that will ultimately succeed than to succeed in a cause that will ultimately fail. Take your life, take my life. Wouldn't you rather fail in trying to serve Christ than to succeed in accumulating the things of this world? See? Our mission should be to serve the Lord, and then we won't fail. We will be his representatives here on this earth. But sometimes failure does happen to our lives. Here's a short biography of the life of Abraham Lincoln. See if, if this fits into any of the things we go through. Had a difficult childhood, less than one year of formal education. Failed in business in 1831, defeated for the legislature in 1832. Again, he failed in business in 1833. He was elected to the legislature in 1834. His fiance, and I never knew this one, his fiance died in 1835. He was defeated for the speakership in 1838. He was defeated for elector in 1840, and he got married in 1842. But only one of his four sons, get this, only one of his four sons lived past the age of 18. I mean, did this man have trouble? Did he have failure? Did he have problems? Do we have problems compared to some of this? No. He was elected to Congress in 1846, and then he was defeated for Congress in 1848. He was defeated for the Senate in 1855. He was defeated for vice president in 1856, but thank God he was elected to president in 1860. Did Mr. Lincoln have his troubles? Did he have his trials? He did. And that's why God put him as the president at that time of our history, because he needed to have somebody who had experienced failure, had gone through these things so that he, God could use him as our president. And he had the sympathy and the empathy for people that he came into contact with. So we see from these two points, fishing and failure. If we go out on our own to do things ourselves, our way, what is it going to end in? Failure. They caught things all right. They caught failure, frustration, and futility. That's what they caught. But they didn't catch a fish. Not one single fish. But thank God, as I said, Jesus was on the shore. And Jesus was there to turn their sadness, their night of sadness, into a morning of joy. And that's what he did. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Can't we say that? We've all been there in life where the, the night seems like it'll never end. We're going through some trouble. And you may be going through something in your life right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're thinking about heavy burdens. Heavy burdens. But thank God that the sound of joy comes in the morning. And that when we wake up with the Lord and trust in him, he will take care of it. He takes care of it. All we have to do is be in his will and serve him, and he will take care of all the rest. He will restore us, he will bless us, and he will show himself. But they looked over at the, at the uh, figure there on the sea, and it's about 100 yards from the shore where they were. They had good eyesight, but they didn't recognize that that figure on the shore was Jesus. And it's kind of interesting. If you read through the Gospels, Every time the Lord came back at an appearance after he rose from the dead, at first they didn't recognize him. I'm wondering, their eyes were holden, it says in the King James. 
and they couldn't recognize him. Like those two on the road to Emmaus, they didn't know who he was. And all of a sudden, in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were open and they recognized it was Jesus. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us? That was Jesus we talked to. And I love it how the Lord revealed himself to that. And notice the first question he asked them, he said, or a question he asked is, is tremendous. He said, children, have you any food? You, you, know, you, you know, the Lord has a sense of humor. He knew that they had not one fish in their net. And he's asking them the question, not because he wanted information from them. He knew they hadn't caught anything. But he's asking them to get them to realize they in themselves caught nothing. That's what he wanted them to understand, that in yourself, when you do it your way, it's going to end up with nothing. Now, I like what it says in the Amplified Bible because Mike Souza, he's not here to appear to see it, but the Amplified Bible says this. It's really interesting. Boys, children, you do not have any meat, fish, do you? Have you caught anything to eat along with your bread? They answered him, no. They got to the point where they realized they had nothing. They had nothing. And that's where you have to get as a sinner this morning. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to get to the point where you realize that you have nothing. You're bankrupt. You're a sinner, and you, you don't deserve to go to heaven. But only through the finished work of Jesus on the cross can you have eternal life and go to heaven. It's not because of us. We have nothing. We are nothing. But in Christ, we have everything. The hymn writer says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. You know, every sinner comes empty-handed. We don't have anything. Lord, what can I give you? Nothing. I, what can I pay you for it? Nothing. What does it cost me, Lord? Nothing. Just accept him by faith. It's a free gift. Like it says in, in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come buy wine and buy milk without cost. And without price, yes, the gospel's free. It was free and it is free to us, but it cost Jesus something. He had to die on the cross. He died for those disciples. He died for us. He died for the whole world so that we can come with our nothingness and he can turn it into something. He can make something beautiful out of your life and out of my life. Thank God for that. But this is an interesting thing here. They haven't caught anything. And so the Lord reminds them of that that way with this question. But notice, he doesn't leave it that way. He gives them the remedy. He gives them the answer. He gives them the solution. Notice what he tells them to do. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Okay, now what are they going to do? They fished all night. These are great fishermen. They know the sea. They know the currents. They know where the fish bite. They know when the fish bite. And now Jesus is telling them, to cast it on the right side of the fish, on the right side of the boat. Could it be that Peter remembered back to about three years earlier where he didn't catch anything either? And the Lord says, launch your, your, your boat out into the deep water and you'll get a catch? And he was so reluctant, he says, well, Lord, we didn't catch anything. But nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I'll go ahead and cast out the net. In the first story of that one, the first account, Jesus said, cast the nets out. Peter didn't have the faith for nets, plural. He just took one net and cast it. We'll just put one out. It's not going to happen. We'll just throw one out there just, just to appease him for the, you know. So they threw the net out, and it says there were so many fish that the net started to break. Maybe Peter remembered that. 
account in his life. Maybe he remembered it. So this time, he's going to obey the Lord. And the Lord just asked him to cast one net this time. He says, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will get a catch. And I thought, well, if he's going to tell him to cast it on the right side, what does that mean? It means two things. First of all, they had cast it on the left side. But more than that, they had cast it on the wrong side. And when we do anything of ourselves in our own strength, it's on the wrong side. We're casting the, the net in the wrong place. It's at the wrong time and the wrong place. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to catch anything. But when we obey the Lord, like these disciples did, and we cast the net to the right side, it says they got a huge catch. And you know, I love how the Holy Spirit is so detailed. He says they caught 153 fish. He doesn't say they caught 100 fish or 150 or about 150. He says they caught 153 fish. And I believe that those disciples may have counted them one by one by one. They had never caught that many before. I'm sure they never have. And not only were they fish, but they were large fish. You know, you guys like to go out fishing. You want a nice big salmon so you can bring it home and feed your whole family. Well, they had 153 fish that they could share with one another and eat from, and they were blessed by it. Yes, they had caught nothing the night, that night, but failure, frustration, and futility. Now, one moment, Jesus tells them what to do. Cast the net over here, you're going to get a catch. 153 large fish. That's why Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do what? See? Sometimes we think, well, Lord, I can do this one because it's a small thing. It's a small task. Ada asked me to do this or whatever. We can do it. And then we mess it up because we did it in ourselves. We cast our net on the wrong side. Not going to work. But when we obey God and do it his way, it is going to work, and he is going to bless us. And I love the fact that when, when the disciples saw that figure on the ship, and it says, John said, was the first one to say, it is the Lord. He was the one to recognize him first. And when Peter heard that, he jumped in the water and swam to the shore. Was it because he denied the Lord? I think so. I think he wanted to be with the Lord, and I felt that way. I feel that way. And he couldn't wait to get there. The others came by the boat. He swam in to the shore. He wanted to be with the Lord. He loved the Lord, and the Lord knew that. And he knew that he would restore him and bring him great blessing in his life. Yes, it's, a, it's an act of faith that we need to have to serve the Lord. We all know about Charles Dickens. He was a great writer and poet and so forth. He wrote these words, Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty. Not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. Isn't that great? You know, sometimes we go around thinking about our misfortunes. You know, I had a tough life. I grew up here and this, and I had very little opportunities, this and that. We're thinking about our misfortunes, our past failures, and all that. Jesus said, that's behind you. That's under the blood. That's, that's under the cross. Now, reflect on your present blessings. Because he says, every man has plenty of them. You don't have to look far to see how God has blessed your life and my life. A tremendous blessing. And we can thank the Lord for that. Yes, dear friend and dear brother and sister, we have a mission to do in our lives today. And like we saw today, fishing can get in the way. Not literal fishing as we said, but anything. The old habits, the old ways, the old friends, the old ways of doing things, let's get rid of them. Life is too short to be going back and dabbling in the world. We have decided to follow Jesus. 
Here's our, here's our slogan today. Jesus is Lord. And like they said, if Jesus is not Lord at all, unless he's Lord of all, and we have to make him Lord of all. And that's what the disciples realized. They realized that day that they're not going to be fishermen anymore. Not fishermen of fish. They're going to be fishermen of men. And God is going to use them. And their whole lives were radically and revolutionary changed here when the Lord sent them forth. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, they went on to 